0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: The Weinstein aftermath. Another day, another man let go of his job. Today, Matt Lauer from NBC... It's the year of holding men accountable something like that maybe it's the year of the weinstein aftermath did this all start roughly this time last year when donald trump was on the campaign trail and uh extra tv or extra extra uh let out some audio that was incredibly derogatory towards women But listen to Weinstein aftermath. Ben Affleck, he's been accused of groping MTV host Hillary Burton. Gavin Baker, technology fund manager at Fidelity. Uh, Their lawyers say he was fired. He says he left amicably. John Bash. Twenty-five women have said they were sexually harassed while working at one of the celebrity chefs' restaurants. Uh, David Blaine. Natasha Prince claims the magician raped her in 2004, shortly after her 21st birthday. Um, George W. Bush, Louis C.K., Nick Carter, John Conyers, Andy Dick, Richard Dreyfuss, Hamilton Fish, Al Franken, Alex Galati, Gary Goddard, David Gouliard, Mark Halperin, Dustin Hoffman, Danny Jordan, Steve Jerviston. Ethan Kaith, Andrew Kreisberg, John Laster from Disney, Matt Lauer, Benny Medina, Roy Moore, Murray Miller. This is crazy, isn't it? Jeremy Piven, Roy Price, Brett Ratner, um, Twiggy Ramirez, Terry Richardson, Charlie Rose, Charlie Rose, Gilbert Rizzone, Chris Savino, Mark Schwan, uh, Robert Scoble, Steven Seagal. Something tells me that Steven Seagal is true. Russell Simmons, Tom Sizemore, Kevin Spacey. Am I forgetting some? Oh, sure. Sylvester Stallone, George Takei, Jeffrey Tambor, Glenn Thrush, James Toback, Bob Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein, Matthew Weiner, Ed Westwick, Leon Wieslitter. Wow. Financial shares are rallying today. In other news, the yield curve steepening. Tech stocks are pulling back a little bit today. Major indices are mixed. Um, but the big story I mean, the big story of the day Bitcoin going from 9,000, 10,000 to 11,000 in a week. That's a pretty big story. I owe none. All told, it's been an exponential ascent from six cents seven years ago, and less than $1,000 at the start of this year, 9000 over the weekend. Something, something happened around Thanksgiving, and the way people are talking about it, I don't see it slowing. So is it speculative? It is speculative. Can you make money with speculation? Sure. Absolutely. It's parabolic, the way it's moving, and when your heart starts to go parabolic, it eventually crashes and dies. So the velocity is a sign that the surge is parabolic at this point in time. Even if you believe in Bitcoin's the velocity of the move is a sign that it is parabolic, and parabolic doesn't ever, never, ever last. Um, so be cautious. to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could always, always find a reason to talk about it. Fed Chair Janet Yellen is testifying before Congress. It's going well. She's not saying anything that's going to mess us up. NASDAQ's going to launch a Bitcoin futures contract in 2018. U.S. pending home sales surged 3.5% in October. Um, ESPN laying off another 150 people, mostly behind-the-scenes employees. Um, I'd be interested to see, how's Disney doing on that news? Uh, up 2.28%. So, worthy of note, yeah, the happiest place on Earth, right? Except for not. Goldman Sachs' warning about the highest valuation since 1900 means that pain is coming to the Wall Street soon. A prolongable market across stocks, bonds, and credit has left a measure of average valuation at the highest level since 1900. With the cost of money as low as it's been for 20 years, it's creating a situation where you could stretch the valuations. But as Goldman said, it's seldom been the case that equities, bond, and credit have been similarly expensive at the same time, only in the roaring 20s and golden 50s. Goldman Sachs international strategists, and... Um, starting to spread some news that is saying it's pretty pricey out there and keep in mind there's some crazy stuff going on north korea says they got a their their nuke push is finally able to hit everywhere in the united states and they have a crazy dictator sometimes to execute some of his top generals and people he puts them on a beach he goes out and gets a a high-powered cannon like the types that you see on boats and he shoots his people with a high-powered cannon and yeah, there ain't nothing left to find of that person. He's crazy.
2: Say what?
1: So elevated valuations increase the risk of drawdowns for the simple reason that there's less buffer to absorb shocks. The average valuation percentile across equity bonds and credit is about 90% an all-time high. Um, but can we go higher? Yeah. A lot of people are starting to use the phrase melting up into the end of the year. So keep that in your head that it's... It's been a good run. It's fired. Well, they're not fired, but they're replacing their CEO as they're trying to regroup. Uh, they've had some problem with food-born illnesses. And that ain't good when you're in the business of selling food. Um, automation could kill 73 million jobs by 2030. But don't worry, there'll be still jobs around. Uh, but try to be smart about your career. And uh, I can tell you in TV and radio, I think radio used to have like least 25 30 people at a station now it's could be run 10 tv when i first got into cron there's 400 people there now there's at any given time i don't know 40 um a lot of automations already hit i remember first time i saw a cameraman you know guy standing behind a camera he swung it around the, the pivot himself and then that job was gone. So robots are going to take over a lot of jobs. 800-516-1220. Take your calls on the air. Um, maintaining full employment will require a huge overhaul of our economy in the future. It's interesting. You know how we're going to lose all these jobs to robots. So, it's going to be the more advanced economies like ours that get the hit the hardest because there's, there's more places to automate. Where if you go to, I'm, you're not allowed to say third world country anymore, but if you go to a third world country, there's a lot less that can be automated. Now, corporations are going to make a ton of money as things get more automated, and that should create jobs and services. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, in more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz.
2: And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7.
0: Time for your Broncos brief. The Santa Clara University Basketball Report.
1: Welcome back in, Bob Black, Your Money. Joining me now, Herb Sindek, coach at Santa Clara Broncos. How are you, coach?
2: Hey, I'm doing fine, thanks.
1: So, tell me a little bit about yourself, since this is the first time we're chatting.
2: Well, what would you like to know about me?
1: History as a basketball coach. I know that you've done on some ACC, so I know you've done some East Coast, but you came to Santa Clara last year. Your first season was successful, getting deep into the tournament. That's about all I know.
2: Well, um, I started as a volunteer assistant coach my senior year in high school at Central Catholic High School in Pittsburgh, and then I worked as an assistant at Providence and at Kentucky, and then I've been a head coach at Miami of Ohio, North Carolina State, Arizona State, and now Santa Clara excellent what stands out about this year's team to you well right now we're off to a a a tough start Uh, we haven't played our best and uh, we're working diligently um, to improve
1: any big challenges this year injuries anything hitting your squad yet
2: you know we we've been really fortunate um from an injury standpoint so far we've had some Bumps and bruises along the way that have sidelined guys for minimal amounts of time, uh, but we haven't had, um, you know, the significant injuries that we suffered with last year's team. So, knock on wood, and hopefully, we can stay healthy because that's a big part of of any team's uh, season's journey.
1: College basketball is probably my favorite sport because it's a lot of young kids who aren't getting paid, and there's a lot of hustle, there's a lot of heart, there's a lot of desire. Crowd gets into it. I love the tournament time. Um, early on in the season, uh, your non conference games, is that where you are in your schedule right now? It is. What challenges do you see developing as the season unfolds?
2: Well, I mean, every, every day uh, we have four goals in our program, and uh, they're to learn and to improve, to connect, and to serve. And we try to accomplish all four of those on a daily basis. And every season um, is, you know, replete with numerous challenges that come at you on a daily basis and we're just consumed we're trying to be the best version of ourselves Uh, you know we want to have a basketball program that we can all be proud of and that's easy to cheer for and um, you know you you don't know what challenges tomorrow brings but sure enough when you go through a competitive landscape like this with all the interpersonal dynamics in play you're going to have challenges
1: i I've never stopped and thought about it that way but you're bringing together a group of 12 14 men with different backgrounds it is challenging to get that cohesion to get that bonding but it's also probably a life-changing event for them
2: um well yeah and and you're, anytime, if you're them throw uh, a group of it a group of individuals come together that doesn't make them a team uh, that makes them a, a group of individuals and and your task is in any given season to come together so that you are truly a cohesive, connected team. Um, And uh, that's what you work on uh, every day, day in and day out, and you never quite arrive. Um, You could always make it better, no different than your own family at home. Uh, You're always working on the relationships. You don't get it to a place and then cease and desist to try to make it better or keep it going.
1: Now you've been at Santa Clara for one year. What's the thing that has surprised you about the Santa Clara program?
2: Yeah, I don't know if I've been surprised. I've been really impressed with the spirit of the university. Um, it's a place um, that really um, has tremendous values. Um, it has amazing people. Um, and it's just a place that has a great spirit. Uh, it, it, it's a good environment to uh, go to school, to work, uh, to compete in sports.
1: You play an up-style game, three-pointers defensively, you do man-to-man. Um, how much has your coaching philosophy had to change in the years, would you say?
2: Well, I, I, I try to learn something every day. So I'm always changing and trying to evolve. And at the same time, our game is always changing and evolving. And so I think it's incumbent upon any leader um, to keep learning to keep evolving to adapt to the uniqueness of a present moment situation.
1: I know Santa Clara School of Business really well. That's a great program. I don't know much more about Santa Clara University. Um, how do the how do you stay on top of your students as athletes as well as as students?
2: Well, it it starts in recruiting. You know, we we try to recruit men who would be a good fit for our university, and then you develop relationships with them. And um, we also have a tremendous academic support staff. Uh, we have a wonderful faculty. Uh, and so everybody works together um, to help the student-athlete achieve uh, and, and to earn a great education.
1: Final question for you. Do you have a message for Santa Clara University fans?
2: Come out and support the team. Um, You know, it makes a big difference um, when we have the home court advantage, when the seats are filled. Um, It makes for an exciting uh, atmosphere, and um, it really helps the home team.
1: Thanks, Coach. It's Coach Sinek with Santa Clara Broncos. You can find out more. Get tickets at santaclarabroncos.com. It is a great environment, college sports. Um, as a father, I love taking my boys to a college and showing them this is what you could do one day if you do well in school a lot of fun he's playing northern arizona thursday night seven o'clock uh, the schedule is there for december and into january great stocking stuff for for your kids get them excited get them on a college campus and show them college sports because college basketball college football um, the atmosphere is electric and uh i know as a kid that when i got put on a campus i was like i want to go there one day uh when you saw the the women and the men and the the fun and the partying um, makes little kids' eyes light up. So that's Coach Sindic. You can find out more at Santa Clara Broncos.com. I'm Rob Black, changing topics, back into the world of money. 800 516 1220 to get your calls on the air. Bitcoin has been the story of the day, um, and it's catching velocity at this point in time, uh, going through 11,000, and it's been parabolic. Uh, I am interested, from a story standpoint, to see where that goes in the next two, three, four, five years. The digital currency spiked through 11,000 this morning. Uh, there's stories out there, and this is where it gets kind—it makes you kind of nervous about Bitcoin. There's stories out there at this point in time that you're starting to hear analysts say it could go to 100,000. And you're starting to hear stories where uh, you're getting executives trying to figure out how to make money off of it. Um, it's really a global phenomenon, what's going on. Nicholas Colas, uh was talking about that on CNBC earlier, and uh, it's really a global phenomenon that's going on, and be cautious on that. Um, it's moving too fast at this point, so I would go with the Mark Cuban route if you're going to play it. Look at it it as up to 10% of your total worth and know that you can lose all the money in it. The Federal Reserve is thinking about starting their own digital currency. Any product likely would be well off in the future, adding that it would be very premature to estimate when the Fed would come up with its own offering. Makes gold look boring, huh? You can find me online at Rob Black Show. That's Rob Black Show. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and your money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing and more. Hmm. That's what I got to say. Hmm. Um, Whoa. headlines and st- Whoa. Thank you. Uh, Bitcoin surging through 11,000. What a year that's had. Yesterday, yesterday was at 10,000. Automation could wipe out 73 million jobs in the U.S. by the year 2030. So when you hear stories about Ubers and Lyfts and how they're doing self-driving cars, um, you hear about machine learning, you hear about robots that can flip burgers, um, it's coming, and it means a lot of those jobs are going to go away. I think we live in a time of wealth where i'll be fine but i don't know about my kids and i don't think their kids are gonna have terrible amount like opportunities maybe maybe they get into science or in you know medicine Uh, but a lot of changes a lot of changes going on in society in the next 10 15 20 years so the self-driving car is a cute story think of this Self-driving car, in theory, should cut down car accidents. It should should wipe out, sooner than later, drunk driving. As a parent, would you buy a car that has a sensor that can sense if the driver's drunk or not? Yeah, I think most would. We all know someone from high school who died, um, various reasons. But, yeah, I I think it's going to be a different industry. And the self-driving car industry, think about this ever so quickly, uh, tied towards... Insurance rates. If there's going to be fewer accidents, should then our insurance rates go down? hmm And if our insurance rates go down, doesn't the insurance agent make less do re me? Probably. Automation. Let's talk a little bit about trusts. Let's talk about wealth and estates and why it's so important. CFP Chad Burton does a show here, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. I'm going to take a clip from his show earlier this morning where he talks about trusts.
3: One of the things, too, that I wanted to talk about, I talked about this last week on women facing special issues when it comes to long-term care or or living longer and just needing care. So, issues that women have to face that men don't. And I'm not saying that's only women, cause, but if you look at the averages, women live a lot longer than men. So, women have to deal with not only making money last longer, they also have to deal with other issues like estate planning and investing becoming more complicated, believe it or not, at the second death. And women do live longer. I mean, look, more than 70% of nursing home residents are women. Yet 81% of women don't discuss long-term care with their children, and only 44% talk it over with their spouse. So if you live longer, and you have to live longer and deal with estate planning, which becomes more complicated after the first death, you also have higher health care costs then, because you're living longer and dealing with nursing homes. You also have lower guaranteed income. I mean, look, when you have a married couple, you, t- you have two Social Security checks. Even if one spouse didn't work, you have t- two Social Security checks and a source of guaranteed monthly income. When one person dies, the smaller check goes away. So all of a sudden, the only item that's cut in half in your household is food and clothing, and that's about it. Maybe prescription drugs and and medical go down um, depending on the health of the person that passed, but expenses are not cut in half at a household when one person passes away. That is not true. Let's talk about estate planning for a minute because if you have so many women living longer, 70% of residents in nursing homes are women, people aren't dealing with this in their estate plan. People are not using their living trust to protect them when they're incapacitated. Protect them meaning I've got clients that have in their plan that they want every last cent spent on keeping them in their own home. There's actual designers out there that help people design their homes to age in place. And if you're not in control of your money because you're incapacitated but that's what you want to have happen, who's going to protect you and your assets? You might think, oh, I'm going to name my child, but your child might look at it and say, gosh, if I spend all this money on mom's home and 10000 a month on in-home care, I'm not going to inherit very much. <laughs> Mom doesn't know what's going on anymore. She's got Alzheimer's. I'm going to shove her in this shared room nursing home. And you think I'm joking. I've seen it. I've been in this business for 24 years. I started with my grandfather who was 62 and all of his clients were older. So I had to deal with things like Medicaid planning, nursing homes, and things like that when I was barely 20 years old. So, what are the other things on the estate plan that women tend to have to deal with that men don't if they live longer? How about personal items? This is one of the toughest things to deal with when it comes to estate planning. Who gets what? These issues hold up in a state for a long time. Sometimes at the live events that we do, I tell a story of a family that pretty wealthy family um very avid hunters and they used a meat grinder um something happened when prior to to the parents passing the kids really got in a big fight and this meat grinder used to kind of grind venison after they uh, uh you know shot a shot a deer um it held up the estate for well over a year because people fought over it. It was a personal item. It wasn't a large brokerage account or an IRA or anything like that. It was a meat grinder. Wedding rings. I've seen it in my own family where that's been an issue. Let's say dad has seven collectible rifles but only three kids. Seven divided by three, that's a problem, right? Who gets the extra one? It's the little things like that that just become a massive headache when it comes to estate planning so a couple things give while you're alive personal items that you want to see go to specific people maybe give it while you're alive so that it can be clear i walked into my step-grandmother's home in black butte oregon one time on a vacation with the family and there were sticky notes all over the house with people's names on it she was 84 years old and her her attorney had her go through this exercise to say who gets what. She had three daughters and she was concerned that there was there would be fight not only over the brokerage accounts and the things like that but the personal items. So she literally made it a list by starting out walking around the house with sticky notes. It was a little eerie to say the least when you walk in and say, "Why do you have sticky notes with people's names on it all over the house?" And, you know, "Well, it's who gets what when I die." Oh, nice to see you. It's been a year. <laughs> nice sticky notes everywhere. That was interesting. Um, managing a trust is more difficult due to tax issues after one person passes away. Now, this, could, this is becoming less and less of an issue with state taxes going way up, because now you can pass on over $5.5 million to your heirs. Each person has that ability. Um, but in the past, and maybe it will happen again in the future, when the first person dies, their assets have to go into a specific type of a trust. Or if the person that dies wants to protect their half from going to a different family if their spouse gets remarried, it has to go into a certain type of trust. So, you then have two types of trust. You have your, your personal assets and then this this trust that's created at the death of the first spouse, It has very different tax rules and distribution rules. One gets a step up in basis at death, the second death, and one doesn't. So, you have to be careful on how you spend the money and how you invest the money. So, if the spouse that didn't handle the assets lives the longest, they're going to have a tougher time. So, you got to make sure if you are the spouse that handles most of the assets that There's a team in place that your spouse can turn to that you trust, that she knows or he knows they can trust
1: um, if they need help with some of these issues. So, the WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment, stocks had a big run. Can it continue? The action may be fake, but the business of wrestling is very real. 250 live events each year. 50 international matches, TV shows, DVDs. It's a big business. A top US cable program. They've got a dedicated um content on their website, which is kind of like a channel. They've got Triple H, The Undertaker. They got Vince McMahon, who's got about 90% controlling of the company revenues of 186 million beat expectations, jumped 13.5% year over year. That's a business that sounds like it would be pretty good to invest in, huh? Um, and then you get a little like deeper into it, you know, like revenues from the Europe Middle East came in at 24 million. So Europe Middle East is they 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 like them some Triple H. They like them that. And uh, that's my way of like making fun of people. I like me some of that wrestling. Um, the Asia-Pacific growing, Latin America growing, which is pretty crazy. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Revenues from the company's media division increased 13%. Live events from around the United States advanced 10%, up to $31.6 million. I... It's one of the things I like about this job, sometimes finding these cute ideas to to look at and invest in. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. It's Old Broker Advisor for taking the action and any stocks mentioned during the show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black. Thanks. Mike Francesa went on a crazy rant about the coach of the Giants running Eli Manning out of town, essentially. I don't get that worked up about sports. Mike Francesa, a longtime sports broadcaster, sports talk show host. Uh, whether you like him or not, you can see... Some, you could see, When you see someone's success, you start to like try to understand it. He's passionate. He's crazy. Um, I kind of learned a couple years ago, like, I don't know football has lost its its lore for me. As a kid, it's like, you know, dun 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 da dun, dun, dun And like, that just gets your juices going. But not so much for me anymore. I think becoming a father kind of changed that, maybe ruined me a little bit. Um, I still like going to baseball games, but that's more of the process of going to the game. And baseball calms me down because it's very numerical. Um, if Hunter Pence is supposed to get hit you know, one out of three times, I'm like, okay, there's one. Okay, there's two. Probably not going to get another hit today. Um, it just comes to my mind. I think very, very numerically. And it's kind of interesting because I think I'm a pretty creative person. So I look at stories like Amazon and I go, that stock's going to get bigger. Um, I love their service. They can charge me more. Um, I think everyone should love their service. Are you kidding me? You get to watch free TV shows and music for having that Amazon Prime? Genius. You know, the CEO of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, didn't start that company until after he was 30. Success doesn't usually come later in life. I would say his dead. Um, I think yesterday, at one point in time, he became the world's richest man. Um, wow. And the first time we heard about it, they deliver books. Gotta read that many books. So the math didn't make any sense to you. So it wasn't until they started doing the Amazon Prime where it could come in two days where it started really to roll. And for me, it started to roll knowing that they were the world's biggest store. So if I wanted to get, like, a risque DVD, I could. Um... I had a girlfriend who uh, worked at Starbucks, and she was in the issue of Playboy called The Girl of Starbucks, and they had a DVD. I was like, would that be weird to have a DVD? Yeah, that's a little too weird of someone you know. I don't even know what that means. But it's it's obviously sexual. Um, But yeah, Amazon's on a roll. There's no doubt about it. If you own a home... Some of the math that goes through my head right now is those who do and those who don't. And I was just talking to producer Mike during the commercial. He's like, I think everyone's going to move to the South. We were talking about drones and how drones will never take off in the South. So you'll always have drivers, pizza delivery people, because Domino's won't be able to figure out how to deliver a pizza with a drone. Because the Southerners would shoot it down. And home prices are cheap in the South. I was taking a look at the list of uh, hot cities where the, all the millennials are moving to right now. Uh, places with cheap housing. It's the, the two that go absolutely together. They're going to Memphis. They're going to Charlotte. North Carolina. Um, they're going to Austin. Seattle's still seeing a big move. I don't know the Seattle real estate market well. Maybe there's some cheap housing on the outskirts or something. Um, but that's where people are moving to. Home prices on the low end of the market are rising at twice the pace as those on the high end. Prices have now recovered nearly 46% from the trough of the housing crash back in 2012 and are nearly 6% higher than the peak of prices in 2006. So during the recession, builders dropped production by more than you know half their normal pace. It's interesting. Like right now, Christmas trees are so expensive. Because 10 years ago, we were 2006, 2007, when we had a housing crash, where the economy went south, where we had a recession. And that recession is long out of people's memories. But when it happened, farmers said, you know, well, okay. people aren't going to be buying as many Christmas trees. They're going to be buying smaller trees. The average family pays something like $75 for a tree. That's going to die. Well, it's dead the moment you cut it, Right. It's one of the dumber traditions in the United States. We we need these trees, and we decide, let's cut them down. Um, and put them in our yard, or put them in our house. If you live in some city like Las Gatos, you have to have two Christmas trees, or three Christmas trees, because that's the type of person you are. One is not enough. Always, always. <laughs> the day after Thanksgiving. Some people count how many Christmas trees they see on top of cars. I count how many Christmas trees I see in the highway on the ground and that's gotta suck. So home prices on the low end of the market are rising at twice the pace of those on the high end. Prices have now recovered. Um, the shortage is the worst at the low end of the market, which is why prices in that tier are rising twice as fast. Um, prices have now recovered nearly all of their, uh, losses. During the recession, builders dropped production by more than half their normal pace, um, a survey by Zillow shows the difference in home price appreciation on the high end versus the low end. The high end is defined as the top third of the market. Um, the low end is the bottom third, and you can see New York, L.A., Dallas, Miami, Atlanta, Washington, San Francisco. The low end's double digit fast. I'm Rob Black. Find me at Rob Black Show Twitter, Rob Black Show YouTube, Rob Black Show.